Well, the ECB's very accommodative stance has given European equities a boost. U.S. weekly jobless claims are going the wrong way. There's supposed to be a jobs recovery going on. It's just taking time, and that's the thing, isn't it? Everything is taking longer than expected. Sydney's lockdown could take time too. The Trans-Tasman bubble is likely to close today. And life without QE, what's the early New Zealand experience? It's Friday, the 23rd of July, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Uh, well, U.S. stocks continue to rise, a third of 1% for the Nasdaq, around 0.2% for the S&P, less for the Dow. Bigger rises again in Europe, though. The Euro stock's 50 up 0.8%, but the FTSE 100 down 0.4%, a slight fall in bond yields. Ten-year treasuries down two basis points to 1.27%. Much of Europe is down three or four basis points. Not much to say about the U.S. dollar. It's down a little, then it was back up again, so no move really over the day. It's down, though, 0.2% against the yen. Uh, the euro is is down 0.2% against that flat US dollar. And the pound is up almost half a percent against against the US dollar. And the Aussie up a third of 1%. And oil up again, another 2% or so on WTI and Brent. And I tell you what, <clears throat> I've got, I wish they'd find a vaccine for the common cold. I'm glad it's almost at the end of the week. Uh, Gavin Friend is here from NAB in London. So look, it seems... Equities in the US are being jollied along by earnings reports, but uh, the real gains have been in Europe. And I guess a lot of that was to do with the ECB yesterday, wasn't it? The fact that there's going to be more accommodation for longer. Yeah, morning, Phil. I think <clears throat> I think that's right. Um, I mean, the, the day started off pretty good anyway, didn't it, in uh, in Asia? Stocks moving up, as you say. That continued in Europe. We had this uh, continuation of the sort of uh, bond yield recovery that we've seen, you know, US tens up to one thirty at one point. I mean, that's a long way from that uh, that low we saw on Tuesday of what one twelve. Uh, commensurate with that, we saw some um, you know small st- small scale sliding in the dollar, and you know, that allowed the Aussie to get back up momentarily to seventy four cents. The Kiwi to almost seventy cents itself. Um, it looks like I think, as you say, some of that optimism was on earnings. Um, you know, for for a moment, markets put aside the uh, the worries over the global worries over the coronavirus and what that means for the for the global economy. Um, there was a little bit of a uh, a moment of weakness as the U.S. Um, equities opened up. Um, a, a content delivery service in the U.S. had some technical issues, and that yeah. led to Amazon uh, Web pretty, Services. What, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Amazon, Home Depot, Airbnb, mm. um, some of the airlines, Microsoft, you know, but I think um, that was soon uh, sorted. And uh, as you say, we've pushed back on now to some uh, to some further gains. I mean, on the macro front, we did have the weekly jobless claims yeah, out. Which went the wrong way. I mean, we, you know, the, the, I mean, they were, the hope was we were supposed to be getting a, a recovery going on in jobs. But uh, we saw that. So there was a, a rise in claims last week. It was uh, so it was expected it was going to fall from 368,000 to 350,000 but it actually went the other way up to 419,000 which is actually the highest it's been since the middle of May so that's not good but again if you look at the the average claims though, over four weeks, it's it's improving. Isn't it, it? it is. I mean, it, it looks as though that the issue here is to do with the seasonal adjustments that are related mm. to the annual auto retooling shutdowns that you get this time of the year. It's very difficult to reconcile that at the moment, given the pandemic sort of churn. I think we, we you know we we think that the overall trend in claims is still lower, and it'll be helped by the reopening growth story that you're seeing in sort of places like California. California, uh, New York, the rest of the northeast of North America. But I guess, you know, it's also not unreasonable to think that the surge in the new COVID cases, the Delta cases in other parts of North America, where they have lower vaccination penetration, could 
or will slow the pace of economic activity there um, as we look ahead. So that's, yeah. I guess, something All right, to well, So what for. about what's happening in Europe then? The ECB yesterday, they're not in a hurry to change anything, are they? They're basically saying rates will remain at their present rate uh, or lower until inflation reaches 2%. And then perhaps there's going to be a transitory period uh, while it's, whilst it's above target. So, uh, so, so, I mean, that's fairly dovish, isn't it? First of all, you know, that they it could go on for a lot longer. Yeah. And even, even, even the possibility they could go lower, even. Well, I mean, I think the, 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 the ECB policy toolkit under this, let's just reflect, we've got a new, shiny new inflation target of, of, of a simple 2%. It's symmetric, which means the negative or positive deviations from that 2% target are equally undesirable. The point you're making is is we've got inflation pretty much up there at the moment because it's driven by the reopening and um, uh, base effects. and They will fade and inflation will drop back. So how does the ECB propose to get inflation back up there and keep it up there? Is there anything particularly new? Not really, um, it, other than the toolkit is made up of negative rates um, you know, uh, targeted refi uh, announcements. It's got um, lots of forward guidance. Um, and um, until March, we've got the PEP, you know, uh, program, the emergency bond buying, which can go up to an envelope of 1.85 trillion. That looks like that will be fully utilised, but they'll have to slow the pace of that in yeah, the coming no quarters. Discussion on that t- no. no discussion at all on that yesterday. No, no. I mean, I mean maybe, Lagarde in, is basically, maybe in September. Sorry, Lagarde is just basically saying we'll keep it going at a pretty rapid pace, a significantly higher pace. Mm. But, but, but you know, if you look at they've got three quarters to go or just just under three quarters to go and they can't keep to the same pace they've been going at because they haven't got the, the room in the envelope. And there's no chance, I don't think, that um, some of the hawks on the ECB are going to allow an extension of that. So what happens when you get round to next March? The view is, although we won't get this confirmed probably until December, that um, that PEP program will be uh, will be closed down because it's a crisis measure. They're already buying, and they can be continuing to buy for the last few months, twenty billion a month under the old asset purchase program, the APP. They'll continue with that. They said today that they will continue with that program. Um, but and I'm I'm guessing that the doves, led by Lagarde, will want to try and. Um, Make that make that more flexible. You know, it won't be sort of subject to capital key and issuer limits and those kinds of things. But I think they've got a real battle there, getting that through with the Bundesbank and some of the others. So there's not really anything they can do other than just keep rates lower for longer. Um, and you know, I think the market the market is probably rightly asking questions about whether that's going to be enough. But its perception is everything. You know, the the language is is ever so easy. It's ever so. There's no rush. Let's take. Let's be patient. You compare that with the Fed, where you know they don't seem to worry about. It. They're having an active discussion about a taper. Um, that taper will take probably a whole year through next to next. You know, the whole of 2022. If you looked at the absolute numbers that they'd be buying in terms of asset purchases, the Fed through next year, it's probably going to be pretty similar. Actually, more than the ECB. But it's the perception. The market doesn't see that, and the market sees, you know, Fed tapering leads to. Uh, rate hikes. Well, you know, we don't know that's going to be the case yet. We, you know, we may well find that when the Fed announces its taper program, it might 
seek to introduce some sort of fire break that says after that, you know, we don't envisage raising rates until we meet well, our inflation and maximum employment goals. But again, it's and a perception. it's all so far away, isn't it? It it's, is. It's perception. It's all so far away and there's so much going on, so much uncertainty. So let's look at, uh, so the pound doing the opposite of the euro. The FTSE is down. Uh, the pound is up. Of course, they tend to operate against each other. There's a few things going on in the UK. I'm just curious as to what's been driving the markets today. On the one side, we've got this, you know, the debate over the Northern Ireland borders, which isn't isn't looking too good for the UK. On the other side, you've got uh, loads loads of people not showing up for work because they've had 600,000 people in a week told to isolate on the Track and Trace app on their phone, uh, which is, uh, you know, must be slowing the economy down. But then on the other side, we've had Ben Broadbent from the Bank of England, um, you know, uh, saying inflation's not going to last very long in the UK. Uh, we look at 18 to 24 months ahead, and that's the horizon we work on. This will all be long gone by then. So, yeah. Uh, 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 yeah, what's been driving uh, the markets think, there today? I think from the Bank of England's point of view, you've had two hawks out uh, recently. Mm. Um, that yeah. keeps the, that week. keeps yeah. the, the, the idea that they might have to uh, taper the bond buying a little bit earlier alive. You've got Broadbent, uh, Broadbent there on the other side. He's kind of in line with the governor, Andrew Baylor, where there's no rush. They see all this inflation rises temporary. So I think there's an ongoing debate there. That's you know uncertainty, if you like. Sterling, I mean, at 137, uh, 60 as we speak you know don't forget we were above 140 not that long so we've come right down about 4% against the dollar which reflects dollar strength that is a result of the change in the language from the Fed and then this period that we've seen a risk aversion where the dollar does well in risk aversion so the pound is really only off you know a cent or so cent and a half off of its lows um, you know I mean our view is is that it will start to rise again but we need to get a shift in the global risk appetite uh, for currencies such as sterling and the euro yeah. Aussie and Kiwi to do better Got to you know that, that doesn't look imminent but no. um, we, we, we suggest it's not that far away. Got to see those in Infection numbers going down, haven't we? Which actually, over the well, uh, last 24 hours, they have been, or this week, actually. It's still very high, but heading in the right direction. And to your point about, you know, the UK and the Petri dish, you know, everyone's looking at this, you know, what's the point in having, you know, two-thirds of the country fully vaccinated, nearly 90% one dose, um, if you're then going to ping people for going about their business, you know, and the government doesn't look like it's going to, it's going to, it's going to change tack there, so economic disruption you know uh, i'm sure other countries are going to be looking at this and say well maybe we could do that you know in a slightly different way we'll, we'll, we'll see how well, it pans yeah. out but to your point it will slow the economy because businesses yeah, can't operate unless everyone does take the app off their phone which is starting to happen isn't it look uh, we know as well the lockdowns in sydney are going to last longer 48 cases circulating in the community uh, it's going to take a while to get that down to zero or close to it and of course one way out of that is vaccines but that's going to take a while as well we've had a couple more aspects AstraZeneca death, so that's getting people uh, worried about taking that. You know, that's the problem. Australia's not used to having fatalities, so uh, whereas the rest of the world has. So, uh, you know, everyone's rushing to get the jab everywhere else. Australia, not so much. Uh, so, I, I mean, we're already obviously seeing this in payrolls, and it's going to continue, isn't it? And we're, we're going to feel the economic hit from this. Yeah, so we saw the uh, the, la- the latest fortnightly payroll numbers overnight. Uh, they fell 1%, and that was the f- for the fortnight to the 3rd of July. Uh, as those snap lockdowns that were, you know, took place in Sydney, what Perth, Brisbane and Darwin took their toll. Um, the problem with these is, is that they, they, they tend to get revised. The previous numbers were revised up by 0.9, so it makes it difficult to get a sort of a clean handle on this but the next fortnight is going to be the um is, is going to include the um 
reference period for the July employment survey for the for the monthly employment numbers. So that's going to be one to watch to see how that plays out on that. But one could imagine, given you know where we're going with the lockdowns, that there's going to be some a bit of a turbulence there. On the positive side, the um, the Australian uh, Bureau of Statistics did release some sort of preliminary numbers for the June trade surplus. Recall. Back in uh, in May, we had a, almost a 10 billion Aussie uh, trade surplus. They, they, they reckon it's going to be on for over 13 billion uh, in, ju- in June. High, iron ore prices, indeed. Iron ore, uh, coal, non-monetary gold exports, gas exports. So that's yeah. the good news story. All right, now New Zealand. Uh, well, first of all, on the, just on the on the lockdowns we're seeing. I mean, it's likely that today they they are going to announce a complete lockdown on travel across the Tasman. The cabinet met there yesterday, and that seems to be what the uh, uh, implication of that is. Uh, but look, it's uh, it's day one, isn't it? Now of uh, life without QE in New Zealand. So how is that going to play out on the bond markets there? Yeah, well, it already played out quite well, actually. Strong bidding um, for the twenty thirty three bond at the longer end of the curve. There, um, for they received bids of four hundred and thirty two million uh, for the hundred million that was an offer. Um, so that helped kind of bring yields down a little bit, and I guess um, you know is a that's a very positive development. Mm. All right. And today, market PMIs across Europe, the UK, the US, lots of numbers for July, services and manufacturing. Of course, they're all well in. I mean, they'll move around the place, but they're all in the 50s and 60s. So they're, they're all going up, even if they weaken a little bit. Plus, we get uh, UK retail sales as well, which uh, uh, you'd hope would be up a bit in June because the shops are open. You, you, you would hope so. But again, like the PMIs, you know, around the world, increasingly, we're seeing the service sector stuff kind of plateauing a little bit um, after a good spurt. And it's going to be increasingly corrupted by the snap lockdowns that we're seeing around the world and in the UK, to your point, um, you know, the inability of firms to get, you know, to remain open because of uh, because of shortage of, uh, of staff. Well, the only certainty is uncertainty at the moment, it seems. Uh, we'll leave it there for now. Good to talk, Gavin. Catch you again next week. Thank you. Cheers, Phil. I'm off to gargle with a glass of salt water now. Uh, that's it for this week. For NAB, I'm Phil Dobby. See you on Monday morning. Have a great weekend. <laughs> 